All right. Good morning and welcome, and thank you for joining us on this week's segment of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marla, where we connect and collaborate with experts in their industries, published authors, and fascinating people. And as a Chief Inspirational Officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, their talents, and their self-worth, otherwise known as as that self-esteem, and that's so important in today's world. Because we all know that people matter, that self-worth matters, and time matters. And when all of this aligns, everything works. So I just want to make sure uh, Mr. Klopp is out there. Are you with us right now? Absolutely, Marlo. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. So on today's um, 22 Motivational Minutes, we have Mr. Hap Klopp, who's joining us from the San Francisco East Bay Area. And I just want to introduce you, Hap, before we go live and, and talk a little bit more about um, some of the fascinating things that you have happening in your world. For those of you that don't um, know Mr. Klopp, he holds a BA and an MBA from Stanford University and was the founder of North Face, where he served as president and CEO for over 20 years. And during that time, the North Face was honored with many awards, obviously for being recognized as the best managed company in its industry, including being recognized by Business Week magazine for providing one of the best brands and highest quality products of any company in the United States. Mr. Klopp has led the North Face to its position as the largest and most technically advanced company in its industry, and I'm excited to talk about that, and is one of the largest privately held companies in the San Francisco Bay Area. So, Mr. Klopp, what an honor to have you today. I'm just um, I'm excited to have you share. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to do that. One thing to, to clarify, I've now... I've now sold the North Face. I'm no longer involved, although I meet with them on a regular basis. Uh, but they're owned by the VF Corporation out of uh, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, and uh, doing quite well. So uh, that's good. Uh, Marlo, uh, as you were giving the introduction, one of the things I thought I should mention is that uh, I often said that my uh, epitaph is going to be often wrong but never in doubt, and that's kind of the approach that I've had to all the businesses I've gone into and all the activities. So uh, that's sort of the framework for what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, no, that's 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 wonderful, and you you've got such a, a robust um, area of experience. What what was it about? I mean, like take us through that process and and where you know where you were when you were starting that company and where you're at today. Well. You know, when I got into North States in the beginning, it was right out of school, and I found I couldn't work for anybody else because I had these you know, weird ideas. I didn't believe in what uh, a lot of people thought. Right. And so I, I figured rather than clash heads with everybody at work there, what I would do is is do something I liked on my own. Give me some ideas specific. So, you know, at the time that happened, there was a lot of belief that we should have more and more and more uh, that we should have three cars in every garage and, and things. And it just didn't seem to make sense to me. It seemed that the environmentalism movement, which has virgin since then, was something I related to, and I thought we should be protecting the wilderness as opposed to exploiting it. And uh, a lot of companies were, were not factoring that in. So we did things like create the uh, a lifelong warranty and a product that lasted forever, with our thinking is the most environmental product was actually going to be a product which which uh, didn't go into a landfill. That was even better than using recycled materials. So it was ideas like that, but, you know, whether they were uh, right or wrong probably isn't the key. They were the ones that were key to me, 
and I decided that I could use by doing my own business and starting my own business, I could in fact uh, effect my ideas and that if I was in a large business or battling somebody else, it might be uh, ineffective. So that, that's what I did. And so subsequent to selling the North Face, I've written books, uh, a couple books, one out recently called Almost, you and I were talking about before we went on, went on air. Right. Uh, I also teach at a global university called Halt University, and I teach entrepreneurship and global product management and such. Uh, they have campuses all over the globe. They have one in, in uh, Dubai, one in London, one in Boston, San Francisco, and Shanghai. And the students go from campus to campus. And they, uh, on the San Francisco campus where I'm teaching right now, 109 different universities or different countries are represented. So lots of different ideas, different input. While I'm doing that, I'm on a number of boards, all with disruptive technology, because I like disruptive technology and I find that there's a lot of commonality. So one's a nanotechnology company, another one's a digital marketing company. Uh, you know, so it, uh, I like things that are new. As I said, I like things that are disruptive. Uh, immediately, I see the change in the world that comes from these and can extrapolate into ideas about what the future might be, and, and that's uh, pretty energizing. Absolutely. And that's something I do want to talk to you about. I mean, you've got a very adventurous background, and obviously that's the industry that you work in. And I love mm -hmm. that you, you share the word disruptive, right? There's something yeah. edgy there. Let's go there for just one minute before we talk about your book, Almost, sure. um, The 12 Electric Months Chasing a Silicon Valley Dream. But what does the word disruptive mean to you? Why does it stand so tall? It oozes out of you, Hap. Well, uh, you know, there's... You, you probably don't know some of it's in your genes, and that, that's how you you do something. But what what I've always believed in is the exponential change of society. You know, it's happening, and if you look at it and trace it, uh, what you see is that it's an increasing pace of change that exists out there, and a lot of people don't don't find that favorable. They they actually scares them, and they try to recede back into a, a, a comfort zone. My comfort zone is around change and is around difference, and I'm energized by that. So uh, the, being able to be part of the disruptors that exist out there makes me feel not only energized, but also part of uh, addressing the future. And so I always look at things like the megatrends that are happening in society and and uh, and see how they can affect. So we did at the North Face, just going back to that, uh, sure, we made uh, outdoor equipment and clothing, but what we really did is disrupt the industry of camping. We brought materials from the Vietnam War, uh, which were uh, aluminum, aircraft aluminum. We made tent poles and tack frames out of it. We used parachute cloth to make sleeping bags and tent tops and some really funky clothing. What we did is lighten the load by 50% of what campers were taking out with them. So instead of going just 200 feet into a campsite, they were now start going you know, miles. And as a result, they saw a lot more of the wilderness, and uh, of course, I enjoy that because I relate to it. But in addition to that, women joined the fray because it was no longer the Beast of Burden Act. And we thought, and I thought, by taking people to the wilderness, that we'd have a, a much more productive uh, populace, people who really cared and really saw things differently, and they're getting away from the problems that are in urban cities. So we continually disrupted at the North Face. We were one of the first to adopt uh, Gore-Tex when it came out. We uh, created tents with the philosopher genius Buckminster Fuller 
uh, we did all of that, and and every time we did it, we created whole new markets. And I, in in the world of uh, business, one of the things which I always say is that there's two ways to look at markets. One is you're a pie slicer, and the other one you're a pie enlarger. Pie slicer says the market will never get bigger, and so I've got to fight everybody for what I get. The pie enlarger, which is my philosophy, is that if you're creative enough, disruptive enough, you increase the total pie. No reason to fight anybody else. Everybody gets more and more. So that's what I see, and it is very positive and uplifting uh, to me. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing that, you know, that comes from you, and I think this is why you've just been so wildly successful, and, and you're living very much on purpose. I mean, everything you state is around adventure, and, and I'm hearing a bit of a fearless mindset. Can you share yep. with us, you know, a little bit about that? Because I know when you and I have talked before, that's come forward. And that infectious optimism and fearless mindset. Can you take us there? Sure. The uh, As I said, my philosophy is often wrong but never in doubt. Uh, you know, I, I was always kind of an outsider uh, from, my, from my youth. I mean, when I only went to school one half of the day when I was in grade school, I thought it was because I was a good student, but I think reflecting back on it, I was probably disruptive. So the uh, teachers tried to find other things for me to do. I, I was doing directed reading when I was in grade school as opposed to being in class. Uh, and when I went to Stanford, I created my own major. I didn't like any of the majors that were there, uh, and on and I love on it. and on. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, since I was that way from the beginning, it became kind of comfortable for me to be the outsider and not look at things the same way. Uh, also, I, I had some successes as a result of it, but even though I was obstreperous and even though I was not uh, marching to the tune everybody else did, what I had was sort of a fail-forward attitude. Fail quick, fail fast. If it's wrong, there's plenty of time to correct. And uh, I've moved to the Bay Area. I was originally from Spokane, Washington. But I found a sinecure here of people that share that philosophy. And as part of my book, one of the things I write about uh, is the fact that the philosophy here is failing forward. San Francisco area, Silicon Valley, almost all the great names that you think about here actually had failure at first, whether it was Steve Jobs or Mark Andreessen or Max Levitran or just go on and on and on. But it's not a blemish in a person's record. It actually is prized. Many of the venture capitalists will only invest in business if they see that there's been some people who have had losses and, and mistakes, if they've learned from them, because they find, in fact, they now are making much better decisions. They no longer have that fear of failure. They also probably have a little bit of humility as they do that. So I was lucky enough through my education to come to the Bay Area for Stanford and uh, found a community of people that believe in risk-taking. And, of course, the larger the risk you take, the higher the probability there's going to be some failure in it. But uh, it's okay, and you bounce back. Absolutely, absolutely. And you've really surrounded yourself with a with an, a ginormous, as I would say, circle of influence, um, and a rebel. I mean, you're a rebel spirit. God bless you. I love rebels. <laughs> well, <laughs> I thanks. I fun myself, right? <laughs> yeah. Most, yeah. Maybe most, that's why we resonate. <laughs> right, and most entrepreneurs are. I mean, you've got to kind of have that edgy. Um, spirit about you, but let's talk about this book. Um, so the title is called Almost, and it's the 12 Electric Months Chasing a Silicon Valley Dream. What Take us to that book. What's the, what's the purpose of this book, and, and why are you so passionate about 
about it? it it's it's a uh, true book. It's it's about twelve months trying to make a company successful. It was a company that that should have been successful. It was making portable power could be put into a variety of products, and the product ranged from uh, battery-based to very advanced stem cells. And it had a huge number of students from Cal, from Stanford, from Carnegie Mellon, uh, a couple from the Naval Academy. We had two astronauts. We had the head of one of the mechanical engineering departments of the school out here. And it was a company that was going to revolutionize portable power. And we would make as an ingredient fitting into other people's products. But what happened was we didn't make it, hence the name almost. And we didn't make it because of, of uh, about five points, which I put into that book. Uh, and so in writing it, you know, I first wanted to write about what was going to be a great success. There was a book uh, you know, called, uh, I'm trying to remember the title of it now, but it was Pulitzer Surprise winner. Uh, that was based on following the, the building of machines. But well, we're moving into more of the product and knowledge economy out here, so I thought maybe that would be a great book. And a guy I write with on all my books, Brian Tarsi, and I said, well, let's chronicle 12 months of what really happens in the true world of Silicon Valley. And it turned out to be more true than we thought. You know, every overnight sensation takes years, and as did this. Also, what you find is there's more failure than success as you do it. The uh, the general belief right now, if you read the press, is anybody in Silicon Valley start a company and you're going to have a unicorn and instant wealth. And, and you know, this company had all the potential, but it was di disrupted and in its course. Uh, one, because it uh, had the belief in overnight success. I had some people who were partners knocking on the door, a company called Big Silicon in the book, which is one of the largest consumer goods companies in Silicon Valley, that was expressing interest in collaborating, and suddenly everybody believed they were going to sell out within a month or two and dropped all pretense of running a business. We had highly successful battery products, and we didn't devote any time to that because the fuel cell was going to be the breakthrough. We had no planning. We had no plan A and plan B because of the myth of the overnight success that everybody was chasing, uh, no financial discipline. So when I tried to encourage everybody to have a strategic planning meeting, it was, was rebuffed. When I uh, tried to point out that Innovation is not invention alone. It's invention plus commercialization. It fell on deaf ears because people were looking at uh, that direction. So uh, what you ended up with was two cultures inside the company, and you can't afford to have that. One was a culture of engineering, and the other was a culture of sort of sales. And I was hoping to have a strategic planning meeting where we brought it in and decided it's a singular course for the company, uh, but they didn't want to do it. Again, thinking that they were going to sell out and get rich right away, why do any of those sort of boring things that you have to do inside a business? And so it's it's a entertaining story while being one which is a cautionary tale. But my purpose in writing it was to have a true story of Silicon Valley, and it ended up, as I said, being uh, a story about uh, failure uh, and what some of the causes of failure are, which people can read while being entertained. Absolutely, and what a great message. And I just want to personally thank you for writing that book because we all, you know, you speak the power of failure, and you yep. stand so tall in that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it takes 
you know, it takes a lot of guts, and you've experienced that. But thank you for bringing, like you said, it's a true story, that experience forward and sharing with other people who really do have the mindset that, you know, it's a once and done, they can make anything happen. But you're saying, look, you know what, we've, we've got a lot of ground to cover, and there is power in failure. Yep. One of the things that I found is when I went to have a publisher uh, for the book, I had some rejection, and one of the uh, publishers told me, they said, look, go into a bookstore and look at these sections. There's a huge amount on success, but you won't find one on failure. And, uh, you know, so maybe you're writing the wrong thing. Why don't you try to write it about success instead? I said, well, I've already written one of those books. I wrote one called Conquering the North Face, that success. But I think that you need failure. And maybe one of the reasons bookstores are having so much problem is that they aren't anticipating what the customers want. Mm, wow, you've got some great foresight. Okay, so we're going to close this um this 22 Motivational Minutes podcast out, but one thing I know people would probably love to hear from you as, as we close is um, can you share an adventure with us that you've experienced and what is there a catalyst moment for you through all of the adventures that you've had that you'd like to, to pass on to us today? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, there's so many. It, it, it's tough to do it, but I'd say on a personal front, one of the things we did to uh, at North Face keep the excitement in and to test products is we shoot an annual catalog every year. And so we decided that we were going to be one of the first people to raft down and kayak down the Zambezi River in Africa, starting at the Victoria Falls and then going uh, miles and miles and miles down the river there in the middle of uh, nowhere. That, that was pretty exciting. And uh, it was adventuresome. Then on another front, when we were at North Face, uh, we were having a problem which there wasn't sufficient goose down. This is a long time ago uh, when the U.S. wasn't really trading with China. And so we either uh, had to put an inferior product in, into our, our product to make sleeping bags and jackets or we had to come up with a solution. I decided that even though very few Americans had gone into China, I'd go into China and buy goose down. Didn't know who it was, what it was, or whatever. And I took off, I, I got a visa to go in there, it's probably within the first 10 people that ended up in China, in the middle of China, buying goose down from people uh, and having to figure out how you finance it, because we wanted, our banks didn't deal with the banks over there, and it was a large purchase, like a million dollars at the time. Uh, the second thing is that uh, my translator turned out not to speak English, but speaking Latin, I had to figure out how to communicate without a translator that worked there in, in China. And uh, and we were able to do it, and we got the down, and we got it processed on our own uh, side, and we controlled that whole thing. And it was a belief that we were going to solve it, a belief that we had to make the best product, and if that even if that required uh, changing the way the world was and doing things that nobody else did, I did it. Wow! 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 What a powerful close on that with with an adventure, and you know, life is an adventure, right? And oh, absolutely. You're, you're, you are a witness to that. So I am so grateful, and um, thank you for being with us today. For those of you, um, you know, get out there, because um, Half Klopp, who's with us today, who is one of the original founders of the North Face Company, has written. It is um, newly released. It's a highly acclaimed book, and the title's called Almost, 12 Electric Months Chasing a Silicon Valley Dream. So to learn more about Mr. Klopp, you can visit our website, at MarloHiggins.com, where you can learn how to obtain his books, connect to his resources, and add him to your circle of influence. 
And so I just want to thank you for being with us today, and I invite you to share this podcast with others. And we thank you in advance for your partnership. Your host and your Chief Inspirational Officer, Marlo Higgins, go out there and make it a great day. And thank you, um, Hap, for being with us today and sharing your story. And, um, thank you so and much, Marlo. Absolutely powerful. All right. God bless. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.